You're an influencer. Mm -hmm. People are going to follow you if you like it or not. You're either going to lead them into making great decisions or you're going to lead them into making horrible decisions. But that weight of responsibility is on you if you like it or not. So we might as well leverage that influence to lead people that are following you in the right direction. Welcome to the Dream Achievers podcast, hosted by Andy Young. Join us each week as we feature local business owners, nonprofit leaders, and community members that are making a difference in Central and Southwestern Virginia. We love your community and want to feature people that share that same passion. Welcome to the show. So I want to welcome to the show, Walter Virgil uh, Jr. from Get Fresh and Live. Yes. Right. So yes. Walter, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Share a little bit with everybody as far as what originally brought you here to Lynchburg. Ooh, okay. All right. Well, first of all, what's going on, everybody? I hope everybody's doing well. Um, thank you for having me here. You have a great voice. Like you got a good like radio voice. <laughs> so it makes sense. All right. So um, now my name is Walter Virgil. I'm originally from New Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, uh, what brought me to uh, Virginia was a football scholarship. Um, my mother told me very early on in, uh, in, in my high school football career, I was like, if you want to go to college, you better be good because I don't have the money to pay for you to go to college. And so that was some intrinsic motivation I had going on. And so I was just obsessed with making my way to college, you know, playing ball. You know, I came up in an area that was kind of um, really infested with drug activity and, um, you know, the whole blood scene was really booming. Um, unfortunately, I lost my older brother to um, to the blood gang activity that was popping off at the time. But there was something that he always instilled in me. You know, he really kept me from getting deep in a blood association and selling drugs and all that. Because his whole thing was like, this ain't you. You know, you're going to go to school. You're going to play ball. You're going to go to the league. You know, that was the expectation of all the older heads in my neighborhood. And they all kind of operated as, as, um, as police officers to my process, protecting the perimeter of my process. Yeah. You know, I talk about it a lot within, within the teaching um, that I rendered. But long story short, that football scholarship. Um, I got into some trouble in the meantime, but I got an opportunity to play football in the state of Virginia at St. Paul's College in Lawrenceville, Virginia. And it was from there I got connected to a transfer running back that we got from, uh, from Liberty University. Okay. And so uh, he was somebody that was really like spiritually, you know, developing um, and was connected to a ministry in Lynchburg, Virginia. He was like, man, I think you really need to connect with, with my church and my pastor. And I'm like, oh, everybody thinks their pastor is the best pastor in the world. But it just so happened that um, at the time, Pastor S.Y. Younger, now known as Bishop S.Y. Younger, um, was somebody I was really speaking into my heart, into some areas where I really wasn't sure as to who I was and the way in which I should go because I thought I was going to play professional ball. You know, I was well on that track, but I tore my knee up. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't a big guy, so um, my my feet and my speed was huge for me. I ran a 4.38, so I had um, professional caliber speed. But once I tore my knee up, uh, it really compromised that. And I, during that time, I learned that there had to be more in my life than just football and trying to discover what that thing was, essentially, was my assignment, was my journey, was where I really found myself. And Bishop Younger was instrumental in that. So I moved to Lynchburg in about 2008, and I just began my journey of figuring out who I was. 
So you, you came, It's it's been a while now, so 2008 to now, we've, yeah. it's been a minute. Yeah, um, yeah. But if I look at that, what was it along the way? It might have been with the bishop, or it might have been some other exposure that got you to the point where now, with, with Get Fresh and Live, how did that come into being? Um, I kind of looking back in retrospect, looking at what I'm doing is nothing but just um, reciprocating what I received, you know, um, I was, I came to this area as like a 23 year old kid that was lost and I couldn't see my own value, you know, what I put my, what, what I invested so much of my time, my energy into was no longer the track that I was on. So now I was like, I don't feel like I have any value to give, you know. Once being someone to be in a stadium of about fifteen to twenty thousand people and knowing exactly who I was, what was expected of me, what denoted success or failure, and being okay with those dynamics and working within that made a whole lot of sense to me. I knew what I brought to the table. I understood what my role was, but now I'm detached from that and I don't have a clue as to what the dynamics of my life are gonna entail. And so there were different people that came along within that journey that aided me in the process of discovering the value within me, the journey in which I had to go on, and the value that was locked up in this process. And so there was a lot of learning um, that, that had to take place along the way. And so um, coming here primarily, my initial time with Bishop Younger, he gave me a job as his personal assistant at that time. He was itinerant as he is now, both domestically and internationally, and I had an opportunity to be able to see how how his ministry really operated from an administrative standpoint, but the actual implementation of that service unto people, you know, really being able to meet people at their lowest and being able to serve them and minister to them through word and in deed to really bring them up to a place where they could really see themselves. And so I was I was receiving that type of ministry directly from him. As, as my spiritual leader and as my mentor, but I was also receiving it indirectly by observing him engage people where they were. And so I was I, I was receiving I was I was I was receiving uh, my own type of education um, as well. And so I began to realize that now that's kind of who I'm called to be, maybe not to the degree in which he's doing it from a pulpit. But knowing that there's always been some type of um, ability that I've been given to really galvanize people, galvanize resources, get people to work together that typically would never get together, and to kind of uh, get everybody to focus in on an objective that will impact a much larger demographic of people that probably didn't have a voice for themselves or probably in need. And so through my time, I began to kind of learn what that looked like, got opportunities to work for um, James Crossing Apartments, formerly known as Greenfield Projects, which is the biggest Section 8 housing development in this region of the mm -hmm. city. And that's when I got an opportunity to kind of see and, and to practice um, some, of these, um, uh, some, some, some of these different um, uh, um, attributes and characteristics and giving them an opportunity to kind of, you know, engage people. And uh, it got the attention of a lot of the human service organizations here in the city early on. And so started getting pulled on to come in and conduct, I didn't know this at the time, but um, facilitated consultation sessions for Centrist Strategic Planning and Marketing Department, you know, that, that were looking at the time to implement programming within communities that look like mine and wanted to understand 
what does, you know, establishing systems of sustainability look like? And I was just kind of climbing into that whole mentality and beginning to learn what, what that looked like and how valuable that information was to a lot of these organizations that were willing to invest so much money into it. And uh, I guess short, shortly after I had some advice, I said, okay, so how much did you charge them? I was like, for what? <laughs> but to go in there and talk to them and tell them everything you told them, I was like, I ain't charging nothing. Like, I was just, I was just, I was just, you know, blown away that they wanted me to come in and talk to the team. He says, no kid, what you did was you actually rendered about an hour and a half worth of consultation, and this is how much money they paid for somebody to come in and give them that level of expertise. Know your worth. I was like, what? And so the journey began to grow, and so I had opportunities to be able to take it from there to Interfaith Outreach Association, phenomenal nonprofit in the city, hired me on as, as director of, of, the, of a program called Progressive Release, which is focused on aiding individuals that are re-entering back into our community from being incarcerated um, by allowing them to realize different resources that are around them and helping them plug in to do so, while yet simultaneously going into the jails and implementing these eight-week courses that really dealt with life skills, soft skills, um, uh, finances, um, um, uh, anger, stress management, and also allowing them to be aware of the resources that are in the community, as well as forging healthy relationships with their families and their friends. And, and in doing so, that really broadened me out because we had Lynchburg City uh, Jail, Amherst County Jail for both the men and the women. And, um, and so that was interesting. I'm dealing with people incarcerated as well as individuals that are out and about trying to figure out how to get connected. And we had about um, a monthly mailing list where I would write a letter out to over 500 inmates throughout the state of Virginia. And so that was really awesome. You know, it really allowed me to take all of my pre-existing skills and kind of like branch out a little further into a population of people that really needed it. But I began to realize that the majority of my work was really being reactive. Mm. And I've always been more of a proactive type of person. As a quarterback, you know, you, your, your value comes in your ability to, uh, to, to make a pre-snap read. To be able to, to predetermine what your opposition is going to do before they actually do it, which is giving you an advantage to implement whatever your desire is. And so that's always been my mentality. I'm like, I'm looking at the situation like, we're not setting ourselves up to really be proactive and really get to meet our objectives. So I was like, we got to work for the stream. Like, we got to get into the, I got to get into the juvenile detention center. Yeah. And the organization was down with it, and they gave me an opportunity to move into the Lynchburg Juvenile Detention Center. And I really started getting with those guys and realized that the content that I was using with the adults it really wasn't going to be able to work with them, so I had to start to develop a different approach. And um, long story short, I ended up getting this curriculum, you know, that really dealt with forging a healthy perspective of oneself, and then beginning to learn about how an individual can leverage their own life experiences, what they've learned, into a generation behind them. You know, allowing them to see, no, 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 you're an influencer. Mm -hmm. People are going to follow you if you like it or not. You're either going to lead them into making great decisions or you're going to lead them into making horrible decisions. But that weight of responsibility is on you if you like it or not. So we might as well leverage that influence to lead people that are following you in the right direction. 
And you had people in your life, it sounds like, oh. that even though they had made those wrong choices, they oh. said, you're not going to make the same ones I oh. do. Oh, and, and, and I think that's a big misconception that people have, you know, and, and a lot of people internalize that. You made a bunch of horrible decisions in your life, like, I don't need to be in any type of position to tell anybody what to do. Yeah. I'm so not qualified to be a mentor to anybody, when in actuality, it's the complete opposite. You're probably more qualified to expedite my journey into a real healthy place because you know what a bad turn looks like. Yep. You know, and so the whole thing was like leveraging those kids' mentality. Like, no, no, you can really, you can really shift the lives of a bunch of young people in your community. Start like, okay, how many of you guys have 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 either a brother or sister or a little cousin that looks up to you? All the hands go up. How many of you guys can tell them to shut up and they're gonna listen to you? Everybody put their hands up. <laughs> I said, you know, that makes you that makes you an influencer, bro. Yep. So we need to get some things together. Let's line some things up so now you can begin to bring them into a better situation. Because how many of y'all want them to be locked up in a juvenile detention center like you? Nobody raise their hand. Mm-hmm. How many how many individuals want to see them live a better life than you? Everybody raise their hand. I said, so that lets me know I'm in a room full of healthy people. I can work with y'all. Y'all my people. Let's begin to work. And the only way we can do that is by making you better. Hey, sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to remind you, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Each week, we share another guest with you from our local communities. Enjoy on your favorite podcast platform or YouTube and get tips so you too can potentially one day achieve your dreams. You know, and so um, it's it's just it's that's that's where the whole journey began for me because I realized then those kids, a lot of those kids are coming from the foster care system and they're timing out. So now I connect with the Department of Social Services and realized that they had an independent um, independent living program. You know, where these kids are they're, they're trying to get resources around these kids so that they can be, be better well off because by the time they time out, the the state pulls funding from them and now these kids are by themselves. And, and I began to realize, like, um, we have to invest some serious time with these guys so that we can ensure that they don't fall into this process called recidivism, thus uh, attacking the 70, which is our bottom line, mm-hmm. um, really kind of emerged. Um, 70% of young men in America that don't receive a high school equivalency will be incarcerated um, before the age of 35. It doesn't matter if you're white, if you're black, if you're Asian, if you're Hispanic. If you don't receive a high school equivalency, there's a 70% chance that you're going to get locked up before you're 35. That, that, that alarming statistic, that's a federal statistic. That right there is what really snatched my attention and realized that um, the focus has to be in building these young men up to simply just walk them across the stage. If we can get them across the stage, they fall into a whole nother demographic mm-hmm. of individuals that have a chance here in America. And so we begin to talk about like, what does that look like? How do we begin to grow that? You know, how do we develop that type of culture that can begin to really cultivate masculinity worthy of emulation? And so Get Fresh and Live um, came about. So that was about Three years ago, we launched Get Fresh and Live, and so, yeah. So what were some of your challenges with first starting up an organization like this to try to make a difference in the communities? Well, I'm going to be honest with you, um, very little challenge. The, the, the challenge is 
not enough um, not enough people to replicate the programming you know just one you yeah and, and, and so and so really quickly we realized that um, marketing myself is like um, the the end-all say-all authority figure of this curriculum was not going to be the way to go because my reach is going to be limited I'm only going to have but so many hours in a day so many individuals I can touch I can talk to and so we realized that we need to spend a certain amount of time in developing out um, the facilitators portion of this so that we can be able to create um, a system in which we can scale out this program we can make it replicatable um, we can provide some type of uh, facilitator certification and so we began to kind of grow in that direction um, but but it was nothing but just open doors for us especially within the city of Lynchburg um, where I was able to um, by the grace of God establish reputations with these institutions and serving them and already developing a reputation of a certain level of responsiveness from participants and so once individuals knew that I had my own program that I was rolling out it was like all right, let's work it out. So landed some contracts with um, uh, um, with with the Lynchburg City School System, um, with some nonprofits here in the city, and um, and just was able to really kind of get things rolling. And so it was. I think one of the biggest things for us was being able to kind of determine what our capacity looked like, how much can we handle, and how fast can we begin to grow. And then so the, 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 the challenge was, all right, now what does a healthy pace for growth really looks like? You know, so we're not um, kind of growing beyond ourselves. Like what, what type of growth can we really sustain? And so kind of learning those dynamics. So that, that's, that's really more so been the challenge. I haven't had any type of tension from the, the type of response that we've been getting has been really overwhelming. You know, from this summer, we closed our contract with the Virginia Department of Education had an opportunity to be able to share with um, with uh, with over about uh, um, uh, 357 um, uh, superintendents, principals, teachers um, throughout the state of Virginia that either serve in public school systems, um, juvenile detention centers, or mental health institutions that receive Virginia Department of Education money through their state operated um, their state operated programs that operates as a fiscal agent for the monies that come through for programs that for institutions that res, that receive those monies for programs geared towards at risk youth. Okay. So um, that was that was really cool and really shifted us in a whole nother direction because now realizing that one of our primary um, customers are are those juvenile detention um, <laughs> juvenile detention centers and so now posturing ourselves for them is it's really been one of the bigger challenges for us and so it's been interesting I know I saw that you guys were one of the programs that were actually up and running this summer yeah. to help kids out versus yeah. a lot of people that were kind of like hey COVID's going on I'm not uh, <laughs> we can't figure it out sorry guys you're at home yeah, you know, yeah. tell us a little bit about the, the summer program that you guys ran okay um we had a summer we we realized that we've been doing programming for other organizations uh, because our main focus is um, not necessarily to, to, to grow as a mentoring program, but to develop educational, um, educational content for organizations to utilize 
um, and really optimize the relationships and the engagement that they currently have. So that's really our model, wider scale, so that we're not um, overwhelming ourselves, you know, um, but being able to make our programming and our teaching, you know, really accessible. But we realize that on the front end, here locally, we're growing here locally, so we have an opportunity to pilot programs and to be able to show the effectiveness of it. So here locally, we realize that we have to develop a branch of ourselves that does function as a program to simulate how our curriculum can work within a program, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so, so You're your summer, own guinea pig. Yeah, right? <laughs> and, 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 and so the summer, we're like, yo, we have, we have tons of young guys that we're working with. Let's pull them all together within a cohort with our group leaders in here, and let's really lock them into a six-week track where we can really do some good work. You know, we'll do breakfast in the morning. We'll really dig into some content. We'll break out into small groups. And throughout the week, our group leads will facilitate one-on-one -on -one sessions with them. And, of course, we'll have, you know, pre-course uh, pre surveys. And we'll be able to see, you know, engage their level of growth. And um, we were blessed. We, we had um, um, the Up Foundation function as our fiscal agent. Um, as well as Moore and Giles that came on board as our primary corporate sponsor. Um, we also had different um, community sponsors, um, primarily consistent of like, individual families that actually sponsored um, individual students. Uh, for the summer cohort, it was only about like 800 bucks per student, and that took care of all their expenses for the entire six weeks. And that was a package we worked out for them. And so we had various families, um, you know, kind of sponsor a child, and it was just really, really great, man. We rocked out, had a great time, um, learned a lot about ourselves, learned a lot about the kids, learned a lot about, you know, ways in which we can even kind of like further refine our content. And so it was just a great experience. We finished out with a commencement ceremony. It was really, really awesome. Um, the Ram Church International, uh, which is my home church, uh, donated an aspect of their facility for us to facilitate our weekly, our, our weekly sessions. When, when COVID started to peak a little bit, we went to the Zoom platform and we were still able to, to facilitate our general sessions as well as those breakouts. And, um, and we were able to come back together at the end and close out there and so on. It was, it was really cool. Um, um, uh, Sackett Wood, um, um, president and CEO of uh, Moore and Giles came and gave words uh, to, to the kids and he was able to receive a plaque from us as well. So it was, it, was, it was really cool, man. It was really cool. It's awesome. Yeah. So what relationships have been most important to you in getting this going over the last three years? Uh, um, uh, a couple of them. Um, first, uh, uh, Bishop Younger. Uh, he's, he's kind of been one of the main catalysts in my own personal life, my own personal development. And this programming is nothing just um, but a projection of my own process. You know, and, and I think that's what's made this such an intimate thing is because everything that I'm teaching and everything that I'm sharing is really coming from a really intimate place within me and realizing that's my responsibility, right? Because mm -hmm. essentially, I'm walking people through the same process where they have to now turn and acknowledge the demographic of people that, that need their vulnerability, that needs their transparency, Right? And so we're reciprocating this process where I'm going to be vulnerable, tell you what worked for me so that you can begin to go down this journey because at the end of it now you have to turn and apprehend the people that are waiting for your leadership and you got to give it to them. 
and I walked you through what giving it to him looks like. You know? So Bishop Younger was really, really instrumental in encouraging me and pushing me forward. Um, Luke Tolles, a really good buddy of mine, um, he's, he's more so on the financial end, was able to come in and give me um, the type of insight as to from an organizational financial accountability side, how we can structure everything, how we can incorporate everything, and how we can manage those funds. Um, we had, we, and, and so we brought in a bookkeeper to really kind of keep all the funds together. Um, LaShawn Delavook, super phenomenal media marketing guru, came on board, aided us with, with building out our website, really um, helping us clarify our, our story, what we're looking to do, how people can get involved. We had a really awesome media team, um, you know, uh, uh, Rio Casper, um, um, Brianna Miller, uh, um, Joe, Joe Josiah O'Boyle, bless you DJ. Yo, if y'all hearing a little bit of sneezing in the background, that's just my son DJ. He's totally fine. It's actually a little bit of allergies that he has going on, okay? So we're totally cool in here, all right? Um, uh, 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 Sackett Wood. It's totally awesome coming on from a corporate standpoint. Listen, this is what us corporate guys are looking for. We believe in what you're doing, you know, and really kind of leading the ball and moving forward um, with those types of things. Um, um, my, my business partner, Tony Riles, uh, he's actually leading out our, our research department. That's really huge for the work that we're doing is, is providing the, the evidence-based research that actually communicates the effectiveness of the program, um, our methodologies, our approaches, all those different types of things, um, along with, and I'm so sorry if I'm missing somebody, um, my, 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 beautiful, my beautiful bride, uh, Crystal Knows, she came on board. Uh, she's, she's director of operations for a solar energy company in DC, so logistics and all those different types of things are huge, and so she came on and really kind of revamped. Um, some of the things we had laid out, um, you know, and, and, and the kids, you know, they, they, they came on open, you know, willing to get down, you know, coming in with a positive mentality. I might have phenomenal group leads, um, um, Robert Williams, Rob Tamale, Marlon Pollard, those guys came in every week, motivated, locked in, committed to the kids, and really made it happen. And so, um, Get Fresh and Live, it started off with, with the teaching. But what allows it to be real is that there's so many different people that, that, that are locked in that really make it happen, you know. And oh, um, Andrea Carper, she's been my admin since, um, since day one, cleaning things up. Um, I'm Amy Sharp, she was my project manager for some years and did a lot of the legwork on the back end with, um, with just lining things up. And so um, Get Fresh and Live, it's, it's, it's more than, than the Walter Virgil uh, one-man show. It's, it's, it's an organism of a bunch of moving pieces that are imperative for, for, this, for this impact to be made and be replicated in, within the lives of young men that are waiting for it and that need it. So speaking of impact, it's funny you say that. What impact do you want to be remembered for or get fresh and live be remembered for here in the community? Um, I, 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 wanted, um, I want Get Fresh to be remembered as, as the as the reference point that people have for the beginning of, of them seeing themselves, the value that dwells within themselves, and, and, and the value that they have to release to the world around them. You know, that, that, that Get Fresh, that Get Fresh and Live um, provided 
an opportunity for them to be able to see that what they've experienced, regardless of how traumatic, could be leveraged in a unique way that can allow them to um, optimize the influence that they have and learning, learning the power behind their story. You know, um, because I think that's the reality of it. What, what we're talking about is the journey of, of transforming trauma into treasure and, and allowing young men to embrace stories that generationally um, have been suppressed, you know, um, and and so that's 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 essentially the assignment to know that real manliness, real manliness looks like transparency and honesty. You know, your 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 ability to talk about some stuff that you barely survived—that's manhood. Don't have to peacock up. Nah, man. Nah, man. No. Nah, man. That's not the stuff that really exactly. moves people. It's when you can talk about some real hard stuff and and process through that stuff and stay still long enough to see the resolution of it all. That's manhood. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. To to essentially for for us to be able to render an example worthy of emulation as it pertains to the cultivation of real masculinity. So Walter, for everybody that's, that's watching or listening right now, where can they go get information about yourself or about Get Fresh and Live to find more information, maybe about booking you to come out and inspire the youth that are around them? Uh, GetFreshandLive.com. Fantastic. GetFreshandLive.com. I'm, I'm sorry, I got to take care. I got to take care of this. <laughs> He's, he's good. He's having fun over here in the corner. He's got his PJ mask on. He's he's relaxing. So, uh, without you know, without tying you up any longer, I want to thank you for being on the show. Thanks so much from our community for the difference you're yeah. making, and keep getting out there and making a difference. Awesome. So thank you so much, man. I enjoyed this. All right. Yeah.